You're listening to TopCast, this old pinball's online radio. For more information, visit them anytime. www.marvin3m.com slash TopCast. Okay, welcome to another episode of TopCast. Me, I'm here with, I'm Shaggy, and we also have... Norm on the phone. He's on the satellite. Norm's on the satellite, is that's what he thinks at least. Who's laughing over there? Yes, and we also have our engineer with us. That would be Mr. Shelberg from the Pin Game Journal. Wow, you let him out from one out of your girl out of your basement? Just a couple times a year, not too often. He's like the groundhog, isn't he? You mean like as in Groundhog Day? Yeah, you let him up to do the show and then you put him back down there, don't you? Yeah, maybe so. But anyways, Norm, so what are we doing tonight, Norm? Uh, I think this is your gig. I leave it up to you. I'll sit there and make stupid remarks about my uh, myself and your family heritage. Thank you. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about electromechanical games. In particular, we're going to talk about uh, Gottlieb's classic Wedgeheads. Um, starting about 1960, Gottlieb changed the design of their cabinets from their wood rail format uh, wood rail meaning that they're the side rails that hold the top glass in place actually were made of wood. They were like a, uh, a hardwood maple. And the back boxes too. Yep. The outline. Yep. The outline around the back box too. That's right. And then um, they went to what's known as a metal rail format which is pretty much how games exist today with metal side rails. And um, in that process they also changed the cabinet back box head to what's known as a wedge design. Um, and Williams, actually, to copy this, came up with something called a reverse wedge head, um, which was really neat. If you have a Williams game, they match kind of like completely opposite of Gottlieb's wedge design. So you can set them up right next to each other really, really tight. Well, Williams had that first uh, set of games with the weird funny, uh, cabinet. Yeah, they used um, they used a cabinet uh, that's called the cocktail cabinet, where it's got a little cocktail tray in the front of it. Uh, but we're not going to really talk about they those. They had like five games. Yeah, they did. They did it for about a year. Um, Jungle, for in instance, in 1960 looked like that. Uh, but they quickly formatted over to their reverse wedge head design. Um, but anyways, the ones that we're showing right here, the one that's probably the most famous is Buckaroo. Um, Buckaroo was the game that, that uh, what was it, um, what's-his-face played in uh, that in that Who movie? Roger Daltrey? Yeah, well, you had Daltrey and you had the other guy. Elton the, John. Yeah, Elton John. And what was it, uh, Daltrey played Kings and Queens, and um, uh, the other guy played, uh, you know... Elton John played yeah. Gay Bush. Yeah, yeah, he played, uh, he played the other one. He played there was one also in there a corral, right? Wasn't that the Adderall version? No. But, so, <laughs> you mean cowpoke? The other oh, thing, though, the... You're right, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you I'm going to go in the basement. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, I thought you were in the right. basement. Sounds like you're in the basement. But the one thing that's kind of interesting... Fill in for me there, Shelburne. I was going to wet 
talk a little bit about it. Talk about how there was the fourth, um, fourth score reel was added. Don't pick it up. Yeah, there was a I fourth score reel added to the machines. Come on, you fill in. It. Fill in with what? The fourth score reel that was added to Buckaroo and Kings and Queens. I just published a magazine. You mean you don't know dick about anything else? I didn't prepare for this. I can do camera and I can do sounds. I can do sounds. We're picking on him. Yeah, he is. It's okay right here. Well, I'm figuring out what's wrong with the web web camera. Uh, in the short run, uh, Shelver's going to run uh, an ad by Pinball Life, who is our sponsor. Stopcast is brought to you by Pinball Life. Yeah, a lot of your pinball machine, new life. Parts from Pinball Life. We ship pinball parts worldwide. Pinball Hello. Life is located in Great City, Chicago. Their phone number is 773-202. I'll do some dirty limericks if you want. Top guest is brought to you by Pinball Life. Give your pinball machine new life with parts from Pinball Life. We ship pinball parts worldwide. Pinball Life is located in the great city of Chicago. Their phone number is 773-202-8758. We have an open door policy and you're welcome to call us with your questions and concerns. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Their website is at pinballlife.com. Pinball Life. All hassles, just the parts you need. That's good. That's fine. So the one outstanding feature on Buckaroo, well, the one thing that Shelberg, who runs the magazine but apparently doesn't really know anything about pinball, um, when Daltrey, they, during the scenes uh, in Tommy, when Daltrey and, uh, what's the other guy's name? Elton John. I, gotta, I can keep forgetting his, his name. When Daltrey and Elton John are playing, um, You'll notice the scores spin really, really fast. Really fast. And the one thing about the original Wedgeheads is they only, the replay versions only had three score reels. It's like, for instance, on Buckaroo, you can see here that the score is 515 with three score reels, but the thousands dial isn't really a dial, it's a backlit uh, one. So when it's not lit, it's the score is 515, but when it is lit, it's it can be 1500, but it can't go above 1515 or 1999 in, in that case. So what they did is they actually put a fourth score reel into Buckaroo in Kings and Queens. Now a lot of people will say, well, maybe that isn't actually the case. What happened is, is that they're using Cowpoke, which is the Attaball version of Buckaroo. But that's not the case. Um, they actually used the replay version of the games and they modified them for an additional score reel so that during the movie they could spin the reels around really well. It's totally exciting. Well, there was a big controversy about that and the reason why you know it's not uh, actually uh, the Attaball version because the Attaball version of Buckaroo or Cowpoke has a fourth score reel. Well, so maybe they take that and they just cut the one back glass on and moved it and took the window off. Right, and that's exactly what they did. Um, and they did that just for the movie to make it work. Now the interesting feature about Buckaroo, and the reason why it's somewhat valuable, is the animation in the back glass. So like if I start a game here, and I punch the ball, 
you watch the horse kick. That's the part that everybody likes, the horse kick. And every time the horse kicks, you get 100 points. I just want to replay. And it makes the cowboy spin around too. And now you can see the back glass is lit on the score for 1,000 points. So instead of having an actual score reel in the replay version, they just did it this way as kind of a as kind of a cheap substitution for a score reel. Now, the other thing that this game implemented, which actually I'm not much of a personal fan of, is a roto target. And the roto target is this thing in the center here. And actually, I don't have frame very well. And what happens is, well, what you're trying to do is get all these numbers lit across the front of the game, across the play field. And what the numbers represent is these numbers in the roto target. So if I hit the two, it lights the two. If I hit the two on the roto target, it lights the two on the play field. It's like well, a wild card. It's not a card theme, though. Yeah, but it's like a wild card. It gives you an opportunity to get something that you can't get up on top. Right, so if I hit the center target and a couple of rollers on the play field, it actually spins the roto target across the front of it. Which I'm hoping is getting picked up by the left hand. Okay, so once that's done, and I can get it advances to different numbers. So if I hit, like here I have a one lit, and if I hit it with the ball, it lights the one and the two. Now if I here's a three, now I got one, two, three. Now if I spin it, and I can get five, so I've got one, two, three, and five. If I can get a four across the roto target, maybe, where's the four? And certain numbers are harder to get than others, like the four. Okay, so now I've got the four shown. If I can get this four, I'll have five numbers in a row I'll win a replay. There you go, and you heard, you heard the uh, knock or knock as, uh, as I hit the replay. So you can see I got the so numbers. What's wrong with that? Across. Nothing. That's but that's part of the game. That's how I know, but you said you didn't like this roto target. Well, the reason why I don't I'm not a big fan of this roto target is it takes up so much playfield real estate that if you're trying to get the ball up through here, you have to try and get it up on the side, on either one of the sides. Can, it's can an evolution of a game. So what? It's part of the history. It is the history. But it's just a tough, it's a tough shot to try and get around the roto targets. I think you're prejudiced against roto targets. <laughs> yes, I do have a prejudice against roto targets. So, there's a know, name for people like you. What am I, a, a, a roto target? I don't know, what's the name you had in mind, Norm? Ada. Hmm. Got it. Got it. But anyways, that was like the magic behind Buckaroo and why it was so famous was mostly because of the bucking horse. Now, a lot of people say I, I don't want the replay version of this game. I want the add-a-ball version, which was another concept that it's arguable whether Gottlieb came up with this all on their own. But they probably didn't, but they certainly implemented it well count on the, on the next one. And that, and the reason why, wait, hold on, I'm going to get you a, a picture here. 
Let's see if you get the kicking cowboy. Anyways, um, the reason why Gottlieb did so well with the Attaball is in certain territories like New York and Wisconsin. I'll back it back out here. Mr. The reason why they did so well with the, uh, the Attaball concept was in certain territories like New York and Wisconsin and certain counties and other various states. Couldn't get free games. Right, you couldn't win anything of value. So um, winning a free game or replay wasn't allowed. So Godley came up with this Attaball thing where if you completed like that number sequence on the play field, you would get a ball, um, an added ball. And the back class would go, It would you would start with five balls and it would work down. It would say fifth ball, fourth ball, third two and one, kind of the opposite of what most other EMs, you know, or even games today where you say you're on ball one, ball two, ball three is the last ball. Well, it went kind of the other way around, where your fifth ball, fourth ball, third ball, second ball, one first ball, which is actually the last ball, then it would go game over. Yeah, well, so you it isn't a, a ball of a value? It, it wasn't considered winning anything of value because it was all within one game. So they sold the Attaball version, like Cowpoke, to um, to these Attaball states um, or Attaball territories. In New York, what, Wisconsin. Right, exactly. So a lot of people like to add those. I personally kind of like the replay games myself, but I'm definitely in the minority. Now you're prejudiced against uh, Attaball. Yeah. Well, let's. So you really hate Attaball games with roto targets. Yeah, Attaball games with with roto targets. Now we're going to move over to the next game. Buckaroo, by the way, came out in 65. The next game is uh, Slick Chick. We're going to talk about Slick Chick. But i got to run a little advertising here. Uh, let's see. This is another one of our sponsors. Woodwide Video is a proud sponsor of TopCast. For all your video needs, head on over to webwidevideo.com. We've got some other guys that have been plugging our show. This is Elmer Fudd. You're listening in in your car. Shut on the radio for the top cat. Hey, this is Curb, and you're listening to Topcast, where you got a guy from Detroit who sounds like he's from Connecticut, another guy from Boston who sounds like he's from Jersey, but they both are better than the guy in Arizona that sounds like a... Anyways, we're back at TopCast. Hey, I got an idea. I don't like these commercials. Can I pay you $5 not to play a commercial? <laughs> that might work for us. So this is Norman Shaggy at TopCast, and uh, we're reviewing the 1960s Gottlieb EM games, the classic Wedgehead single-player games. Now, you'll notice that I'm talking about single-player games exclusively, that I don't have any multiplayer games here. You'll see a lot of guys that are into the, the 70s multiplayer games. Now, your big question might be, why don't you like multiplayer games? Why are you prejudiced against multiplayer games? And there's a very simple reason for that. Mr. Shelber, tell us, tell us why I don't like multiplayer games. You have no friends, and you can always have to play the game by yourself. Very good. He doesn't play any games anyway. Well, I know. That's, that's just the way it is. He has to, he has to do it all by himself. And, uh, you know, if he has no... They use up more electricity. It's, 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 and it's uh, too much noise, too. All those, all those reels going around all the time, it's just, it's just, it's bad. No, that's not the reason. Come on, try again, Mr. Shelbert. What's the reason why I like single-player games? 
Yeah, they're easier to fix. There's a lot hard, a lot more things to go wrong. All those, all those different score reels, and relays, and everything uh, um, cause all kinds of problems to think to 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 have the game um, screw up. And you don't like fixing games, I know. So yeah, yes. now you're right. The first time he had no friends. Yeah, that 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 was my first thought. And I think that was probably that's the right. true. That's the right one. No, you're wrong again. Oh boy, you're wrong again. The real reason is, um, I, I guess, the depth of the rules. On a multiplayer game, electric mechanical games, these are pre-solid state games, there's no computer involved, no silicone. Um, there's no way for the game to know where a particular player is on any particular ball. So that means that the game completely resets on every ball, every player. Now there are a couple exceptions to that room, rule, but for the most part, any multiplayer electric mechanical game is going to reset all the playfield features. So, like on Buckaroo, that doesn't do that on Fireball. Yeah, it, well, let's not muddy the waters. There's a couple. Oh, well, that's not. Well, <laughs> no, it does actually on Fireball. No, it, it doesn't. It leaves the balls in the hole. No, no, it leaves the balls in the hole. So, say I set up the game, and on Fireball is is a multiplayer four-player game that came out in 1972. 71 or 72. 72. And it has, it's actually a multi-ball EM. But, say that player one locks the two balls, player, and then drains the current ball, it comes up to player two, and then he can reap the benefit of player one. And that was the big problem why um, uh, uh, EM multiplayer games reset every feature um, from ball to ball, player to player. Now, for, exa for example, on Buckaroo, I could set, one player could set up all the, uh, the balls across the front of the play field, you know, the, the spots, the one, two, three, wanting to get that fourth one, and then the next player could come up and reap all that. So what happens is on single-player games, it doesn't reset every ball. So the, the rules tend to be deeper, and the accomplishment that you're trying to get to get that added ball or to win a replay is generally a lot deeper. So that's why I like out-of-ball games, besides the fact that I don't like Friends so much. I just don't like Shelburne. You said you didn't like out-of-ball. Well, I like winning games, and one of the reasons why I don't like out-of-ball games so much, out-of-ball you can only play one ball at a time. On replay games, I can play up to five balls. I can play a five-ball multi-ball all at one time. For instance, I'm going to play Slip Chick here. Okay, I gotta reset. Give me a shot of the play field this field. This is one of the three play games. I'm playing five balls at one time. So why would you want to do this? Why would I want to do this? You have no control. Because why not? You lose all like control. five ball multi ball. If I'm really a loser and I want to play a quick game, I can play up to five balls at once. Or I can play two balls at once. Or I can play three balls. I can have different strategies of attacking this game. It's a bit bizarre, but I like it. It's just a different play strategy. Now, the purpose of Slick Chick, though, let's talk about the features of Slick Chick. Show the X across the top there, Mr. Shelbergian. See the slick? 
the slick and the chick in an X formation across the front. Okay, now the reason why that's important is you have to actually spell out slick chick. So say I get my ball and it hits the L. I'm trying to unlike these bumpers, but they have to be done in order. So now I've got the S, the L, the I unlit. The next thing I have to hit is the C, or if I hit the K, notice it doesn't light, do you like the K or the C? Yeah. So why would you play order. five balls at once? Because I like to. Would you stop blowing me crap? Sometimes I want to play a quick game. Or, you see, if I hit the C, it unlights the C and then the K. Now i got to do chip. And again, in order. And if I do it all, and I do this several times, it's how I win my replays. Now it also has some targets up here across the top of the play field. If I roll the ball through here, it spells the entire slick. Likewise, if I do it over here, it does the entire chick. And then I advance these lights up, and I can go even further and, and set up the game. To, to, and I got a couple targets on the side here, and I can set up myself for, uh, for replays that way. But what Gottlieb was famous for was getting you within an inch of winning a replay or a special and you not able to get it. Because the games were that challenging where it would start off seeming like you were going to win that particular replay, but in the end you wouldn't because you just couldn't achieve the final goal. Slick Chick is considered a really famous game. Um, but now I'm going to go over to the next game which the selection came out in 63, by the way. We're going to look at Skyline next. But it's time. You know, if it was 63 and you're putting dimes in there, we wouldn't be playing five balls at once. <laughs> it's time to run another a couple little... Uh, well, yeah, okay, Norm, so I'm going to ask you to shut up for a second while I do this. Real you know, that's it. Norm, Norm likes to make a lot of noise, and, uh, but we got to run these plugs. Hola, amigos, this is Cliffy. CARG PB number two and maker of the world's finest pinball protectors. Welcome to another edition of TopCast featuring Norm and Shaggy. Hi, this is Cliffy again. See, if you're not listening to TopCast and learning how to fix your own pinballs, then you're just not pissing enough people off. So let's get to it, my man. I was so high, so hard to listen to the top cast with Shaggy and Norm. The Pin Game Journal is a proud sponsor of Topcast. It covers pinball like no other publication can. The Pin Game Journal is America's only pinball publication. Whether you're looking for new games or the classics, reports on industry shows or collector expos, insights on a game you want or features to help you fix the game you've got, Pin Game Journal is for you. Their website is at pingamejournal.com. Norm, you there? Okay, we're back. And now we're going to talk about Skyline, which is one of my favorite wedge heads. Now, the cool thing about Skyline is it's got some animation. Shellberg is, is opening a Barks. We're drinking Barks root beer here. They'll, yeah, they'll... Are they a sponsor? <laughs> They're not a sponsor, but we like Barks root beer. Barks has the bite. Barks is the only Barks is the only root beer I know of that actually has caffeine. Mmm, tasty. And 
the diet version doesn't have caffeine for some reason. But anyways, you need a lot of caffeine. Yeah, the thing that I want to show you is the backlash animation on Skyline. It's got like a little elevator door that when it opens up, when I start this game, see if I can time it. A transvestite comes out. Yes, a transvestite comes up. So I don't know if we got that. But what it was cool is it kind of opens up and it also resets. Uh, it's got a uh, floor number animation too. Let's see if I can do that again. Uh, let's see if I can get it. Uh, I got a few more seconds to go before the, the webcam comes back around to show that animation. I want to show it with the door open, see if I can catch it. You know, so you can see what's behind the door. Uh, I didn't get it. Try it again. Tell me when I'm coming around, Shelberg. Five, four, three, two, one. I think we might have gotten it. But anyways, it's got this kind of neat backlash animation with the elevator door, and it shows like the people behind the elevator door. It's kind of a comical scene. Um, show the play field now, on Mr. Shelberg. I like this game. This this game has a clear coated play field. It plays way fast. Actually, the Slick Chick had a clear-coated playfield, too. I do clear-coating myself. Um, on the Slick Chick, I used an automotive clear, much like what they do on 90s games. On the Skyline, I used Verithane, which is a water-based product. You can use whatever you like. I kind of like uh, the auto clears better, but um, it's a little easier to apply. The Verithane is kind of tricky you know as far as you you have to put more coats and it ends up being a lot more work but this has a rotation sequence again you're trying to get lights lit in the center so we're kind of a rollover game so I've got 12 rollovers associated with this center kind of number scheme and every time I hit a number like here I'm gonna hit the seven and the seven lights or unlights the six unlights the five unlights if I get them all unlit, see, now all I got is number one left. If I hit that, it lights my special, and then you have a rotation. Now eight, if I hit the eight rollover, I will win a game. And the knocker goes off. Here to hear it again. I can win a bunch of games. So it's kind of a tricky thing because it, it, it rotates as I hit like the slingshots, the number rollover rotates. It's actually a really hard and challenging game to beat. But the thing I like about it is it just plays really fast, and there's a lot of good shots, and it's kind of an unusual playfield design where you've got these five pop bumpers all in the center, and not a lot of room between the flippers, but you got killer out lanes on the side. And it's just, I find it to be a real challenging game. Something that, a game that I really like to play. Um, we'll do it again. And again, because this is a replay, I can load as many balls as I want into the shooter lane and play multi-ball if I so desire. I know that's not Norm's favorite approach to playing this game, but it's one that I really like. Now this elevator thing they used on a couple other games, 
Skyline wasn't the only game they used that on. They also used it on Crosstown. Um, and maybe one other game, well, the Attaball version of Crosstown, which would be Subway. Skyline was only reproduced um, in a replay version. There was no Attaball version. Gottlieb liked to make both an Attaball and a replay version of most games, but not every game. Right, Norm, you still with me, or I put you to sleep? I'm almost dead. Yeah, good. Okay, Norm, so how did your operation go the other day? Uh, I went all right. I'm still alive. They removed the uh, your penis. I heard they removed your penis. No, they removed your penis. No, they removed it through that, but they took a stent out. It was not alive. a good It's alive. It's alive. Imagine having a root canal into your bladder without Yeah, that was Norm after they they woke him up. No, they didn't wake me up. They didn't put me to sleep. They did it live. All right, hold on a second, Norm. We are federalists. Hello. The mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Better not come any closer. That was Norm, uh, his dialogue with the doctors <laughs> as they were trying to, you know, pull things out is, well, whatever. I didn't and, hear that commercial. I don't know what you guys are doing behind my back. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's the way we like it. Anyways, the next game is Kings and Queens that we're going to look at. Kings and Queens was really a famous game because, again, it was in the movie Tommy, and it was the game that Tommy liked to play. Um, Kings and Queens does not have any backlash or playfield, you know, mechanical animation, but it does have kind of like some interesting light animation, I guess you could call it. But the thing that makes this game so famous, besides being played in, in Tommy, is it's a card style game. Gottlieb was the king of the card games. But the main thing is, is just that it was one of those games that got you really close to winning a replay where you didn't actually win the replay. It was a really challenging game is what it comes down. But the thing that it liked, that... Here, let me move this microphone around the stand. Try and get a little closer here. The thing that made this game difficult was all the rollovers. So the rollovers would all start out lit, like here, and then as you bring the ball over them, it would unlight them. Now as you unlit all the rollovers, it would light a matrix here, down the middle of the playfield, that would uh, enable you to win uh, assorted replays. And let me see, I got the jacks, I got them all lit. So what it would do, then it would light a hole. Like here I have all the aces lit across the play field, and if I drop the ball into this kickout hole, it would I would win a win a replay. So here I'm gonna drop it into the ace hole. I win a game, and then you can see the ball kind of moves from hole to hole in the kickout style. Okay, that game's over. I'm gonna have to reset it here. Leave it right there, Mr. Shelburgian, and we'll show the uh, we'll show how the ball moves from hole to hole. Okay, well, how many seconds have we got? Five, four, three, two, one. So now you can see on the webcam as it moves the ball from hole to hole. We'll show that again because it's kind of a neat little thing as it kind of kicks the ball from hole to hole. Now the disadvantage of this game is it's really hard to find one 
in reasonable shape. Because of those kickout holes, this thing just gets beat to hell. Now, this game was so popular that it actually it only came in replay version, um, the Kings and Queens, that a couple years later they came out with the same design, but with different graphics. It was called Sing Along. So it was the identical game, but just slightly newer, um, and with different graphics, Sing Along. I personally don't like it quite as much, Sing Along that is, because Sing Along has what is known as an automatic ball feed, where Kings and Queens had a manual ball feed. Now you're kind of wondering what the heck I'm talking about, ball feed. Well, you know, you're all used to new games where you press the replay button to start it, and it kicks the ball out to the shooter lane and you play. Well, on these Gottlieb games, on these older Gottlieb games, how close can you get in on this, Shelberg? Yeah, there you go. Stop. There you go. Just took that picture. You can see that there's actually two knobs. Okay, there's the shooter knob that's that I have pulled out right now. And the manual ball loader. Yep, and below it is the manual ball loader. So right now I have the shooter shooter knob pulled out. That's what puts the ball into play. But then you also have to, before you do that, you have to load a ball into the shooter lane by pressing the manual ball load. Some people call it the spoon because it's kind of this spoon thing that feeds the ball up into the shooter lane. But, you know, I just call it the manual ball load. Now, the, once you've done that, that's why I can play the game multi-ball. It's because, yeah, four, three, two, one. I can actually manually load balls into the lane. I can load as many balls as I want into the lane. That's how I can play the game multi-ball. And that's why I like replay games. Because the add-a-ball version of this, there's only one ball in the game at any particular time. Where in replay, I can put one to fall five balls into play at any any particular time. So it's kind of just what you like. Uh, that's why I kind of like the replay games. Is that I have more choices as to how I want to play. Sometimes I'll, you know, I'll be drunk on my ass with uh, naked chicks hanging around me, and I'll say. Hey, look, babe. Before we go any further, I gotta play a little pinball, and I'll. Uh, Never happened in your life. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, usually, I got two naked chicks saying that. You know, they got one on each arm. Yep. And uh, you know, I'll say, look, I gotta play a quick game of pinball. Maybe. Yeah, and I'll come in here and I'll just shoot five balls all in one shot. You know, I'll blow my load quick as it may be. <laughs> in pinball, that is, and uh, I'll play a quick, you know, I'll play a quick thirty-second game of five-ball multi-ball. Or other times, I'll be like, no, I got to take it slow and long, hard, and you know, ready for you, babe. And I'll come in here and I'll play a long, you know, game on my wedge head, a one ball at a time. So it just depends, kind of how you feel, you know, depending on your mood, you can play the game differently. So, anyways, that's kings and queens. Now I want to move to another game. Remember, I told you how they recycled playfield designs and that. Well. Here's another example of that, and this is called Flipper Cowboy. Flipper Cowboy is an add-a-ball game, and it actually came out before Buckaroo, though it is almost an exact copy of Buckaroo. We're getting the webcam around here real quick. Ah, that was a bad shot. Shelberg, uh, whatever I'm paying you, Shelberg, it's way too much because he is a buffoon. Okay. Hey, quit picking on him. Why? Oh, okay, I'm going to pick on you? Whatever I'm paying you is way too much, too. Well, anyways, you have low self-esteem. Is that your problem? I have no self-esteem. That's why I hang out with you, because you know, 
hanging out with you makes anybody look good. Boy. Yikes. Anyways, we've been rambling for like an hour on this, so we're going to try and wrap this up. I think this is about the last game we're going to look at. Well, we'll look at these two together, Flipper Cowboy and Flipper Parade. Yeah, these two games are what's known as classic out-of-ball games. They both have background or backlash animation. Uh, in the case of Flipper Cowboy, it's a similar animation to Buckaroo. The actual mechanics are exactly the same. Playfield design is exactly the same. Graphics are different. And the animation style, instead of the cowboy kicking the horse going around in circles, this has got a guy that actually fires a gun at a target. And as he fires it, his arm recoils back, and the target spins around like he's hitting it. So Shelberg's going to put a close-up uh, close on the... Back up. Yeah, I think four, three. Okay, two, here we go. Hopefully that captured on the webcam. If not, I'll do it again. It's kind of interesting because it's as he shoots, it's really cute. Um, as you hit the replay button, you know, you can see the thing spin around. It's, it's really neat. He recoils back five times. But anyway, show the play field now, and we can see how similar, or really how exact it is compared to Buckaroo. Now, why did Gottlieb do this? Why did they recycle play field designs? Because these games were popular. People loved them. Um, try and find a flipper cowboy in any condition. It's a tough game to find because most of the times when collectors get them, you can't get it out of their hands. Now, this is a true out-of-ball game, which means on the back glass... It says the ball number right there. You can see that it shows balls to play. No, don't get up that close, Shelberg. Show the whole thing. Back it up. There you go. Stop. Perfect. It shows ball to play. So as I play my ball, as I load it through, we start out at 5. It'll back itself down and will be uh, all the way down in the game until it says 1. Okay, for example, here, I'm going to start a new game, and when we start a new game, you'll see it'll go to five balls. Okay, so now it's at five balls, and now this game is only loaded with one ball, so I can't play five ball multi-ball. I have to actually cycle the ball through five times, hit the manual shooter rod to load it back into the shooter lane, and then manually plunge it. So, um... I can't play my, my I can't play a quick game. This is a, a, a game that you know you're you're playing to win extra balls, and I'm going to set it up here to win an extra ball. Which just like Buckaroo, I have to do the number sequence across the top of the play field. I think if I get a one or a five, okay. Here, show this. Show the roto target for me, Shelberg. It's hard to get good help here. Shelberg's, you know, I, I want to show the one over here, Shelberg. There you go. Okay, so now if I hit this one, it'll light this guy right here, the one on the play field. So I hit the one on the roto target, it'll light this guy, and you heard the knocker go off. Now it went from five balls up to six balls to play. So if I now if I hit it... Uh, if I get a five across the front, I'll show you, it'll advance it up to yet another one. 
Okay, so here, now I'm, let me reset the game back to five balls. Okay, now here's another interesting thing. On the roto target, I have a red dot. If I hit the red dot, it'll advance it from five balls to six balls. And if I hit it again, it'll go seven balls. And if I hit it again, it'll go eight balls. So I can go all the way up to nine. I can go all the way to ten balls. So I can play ten balls now. And if I back it all and I play my ten balls and I get it all the way down to the last ball and I get that red dot again or I like the number sequence, I can win it back all the way up to ten balls if I'm really good. So essentially, if you were a great pinball player, you could play this game forever and ever. It's not like... Uh, it's be way better than stacking extra balls like in, say, you know, any of the newer solid-state games because this could go on endlessly. Um, you know, in the options in most solid-state games, I can limit the number of extra balls. And in that, a true out-of-ball game, you can't. You could play forever. Also, it's better than multi... Um, uh, multiplayer EMs, because multiplayer EMs, the best they will ever do is same player shoots again, which means you can win one extra ball. Where this, this is a little different. So that, anyways, that's Flipper Cowboy in the animation. The next one I want to look at just real I quick. I hated Adderball. Well, you know, I, I don't hate them. I just, I don't know. They both, I like them both. I just, I like tend to play replays more than, than Adderball because I can, I don't know, I'm always in a rush and I can play a quick game. Anyways, here's um, Flipper Parade, and Flipper Parade has a little cannon that fires as you reset the game. I try and get me a cannon shot. Two, one. I hope we got that on the webcam. Anyways, it was firing the ball. Kind of a bizarre game. Add a ball again. I have to do on the play field... I have to get the one, two, three, four, and five numbers lit across the top of the play field. And then this has a slightly smaller style rotor target. And then once I have that lit, I can and the I get the appropriate numbers, I can actually go up to a number of attaballs just by lighting the numbers across here. So it's kind of a similar style game to the other ones. But uh, a little bit different. You know, I mean, the same type of thing. It's got a nice five pop bumper nest across the top. And I'm basically just trying to hit those rollovers across the top, one through five. And if you have a good skill shot, you can do it in five balls. And you, then you can set up the rotor target to hit that and win an extra ball. So anyways, this is a pretty rare game, Flipper Parade. You don't see too many of these. I mean... Flipper Cowboys, they made a lot of it because it was really, really popular. Uh, Flipper Parade doesn't nearly have the name in it. The one thing I like about Flipper Parade, though, one thing I really like about Flipper Parade, I like the chicken Flipper Parade. She's got really nice hooters. What do you think about that, Norm? Norm? I fell asleep, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm pulling the plug on you, Norm. We're going to... Yeah, when I'm done showing these games, I, let's we could take a uh, probably take a couple calls from people. If you want to call in, this is Norman Shaggy at Topcast. If you want to call in, you got any questions or any comments, we'll take a couple calls. We're not going to take a ton of them because we're kind of going to wind down a little bit. We've been going for uh, well, thirty-seven hours. Yeah, thirty-seven hours, and it's about time. But I'm going to run an ad, and then we're going to take some calls. If you want to call, it's one eight hundred four eight four eight zero six one. 
and then you got to type in the code, the magical code, 1212. So, Norm, I'm going to hang up on you, and then we're going to take some callers. Adios. Bye-bye. All right, and in the meantime, we got to run, run an advertiser by, from Marco. This is brought to you by Marco Specialty, your pinball parts superstore. Visit their website at marcospecialties.com. You can search for parts by game name, game make, or part number. Marco Specialties was founded in 1985 and is headquartered in Lexington, South Carolina. They specialize in pinball parts, supplies, books, and anything pinball. Marco has been online since 1996 and is the web's oldest and largest pinball parts supplier. Their new 12,000 square foot distribution center services 25,000 customers in over 50 countries. Feel free to call Marco Specialties at 803-957-5500. Marco Specialties, your pinball parts superstore at Marco Specialties.com. Topcast is brought to you by Pinball Life. Give your pinball machine new life with parts from Pinball Life. We ship pinball parts worldwide. Pinball Life is located in the great city of Chicago. Their phone number is 773-202-8758. We have an open door policy and you're welcome to call us with your questions and concerns. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Their website is at pinballlife.com. Pinball Life. No hassle, it's just the parts you need fast. Okay, we're back. We've got a caller on the line. What's his name? Okay. Hold on one second. Hi, welcome to Topcast. Russ, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Is this Shaggy? Yes, yeah, this is Shaggy. How are you doing? Uh, and that I'm was... Doing uh, a program here. I'm up in uh, Woodstock, New York. Oh, cool. Cool. Hey, you're in Attaball land. Yes, I am. Yep. And <laughs> have you... Uh, Scott Lee Attaball. Yeah. And what... Uh, uh, do you have a lot of Attaballs? I got nine games total. That's about all I got room for in the game room. Okay. And what do you got? I got, uh, well, star, I got Melody, I got Cowpoke, Dimension, uh, Gold Strike, Pinup, Neptune, Papa Card, Park, and what's the other one? I got, I got thinking They're all out of balls. Yeah. Like Melody is the out of ball of. Yeah, Melody is the out of ball of Sing Along, which is the copy of Kings and Queens. So you know, yeah, you've got you've got them all. You got the classic uh, ball collection. The guys in New York and Wisconsin are really really lucky in that they can uh, find Attaballs way easier than me. We're you know we're in Detroit, so this was replay land. To find an Attaball game is is kind of hard around yeah, here. Never, never got much into the replays, especially you know having them in the house. I'd right. rather get a free ball than a free game. It kind of defeats the purpose. Right, the and that's... To really like the replays. I, th- I think that's what the way most people feel. I'm kind of unusual. The re- and again, the reason I like the replays is because I like to play multiball on these things. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes I'm just in the mood to play a quick game, and, and um, you know, that's kind of what, you know, I want to do it. Well, hey, I appreciate you calling, Russ. You're getting, you know... You, oh, you got a question? Well, I got a question. I got a buddy of mine just picked up a gold strike. And I was helping him go through it, and in the back, all the end-of-stroke switches on the score reels are gone. They're all broken off, except for the 10,000 score reel. Right, the one that gets used the least. Yep, so when he got the game, uh, the guy he got it from, he said that the uh, 10's chime unit wasn't working. So when we opened it up, that was disconnected, and we found that the coil was fried. Hmm. So he started to play the game, and in the back, one of the wires was taken off the end of stroke switch on the 10 score reel. Okay. When you put that wire back on, 
it would lock on whenever you hit a 10 and wouldn't release. So I was thinking that it was probably a stuck 10-point switch somewhere on the play field. Yeah, well, it's not if, if, if when you start a game and it's not stuck, and then you score the 10 and it becomes stuck. Well, what happens is those end-of-stroke switches um, can re they release the relays, the, the point value relays. I would really encourage that you put them back on, but uh -huh. you don't, I mean, you can run the games without them. If they break uh, so that the switch is permanently open, yeah. the game will still work. It, you won't get the full, post, po full pulse to the score reel, so uh -huh. you, you might get a, a slightly lower score because the game doesn't score quite as much um, because of that, but it should work. Um, the one thing about those things is if they never open, those switches never open, that is if the blades were stuck together, then you have the problem like you were describing where um, the, the switch never opens, then the relay will stay locked on. Well, what happens on, this, on the TENS reel, somebody tried to make their own switch by installing a long blade towards the back and one short blade that would normally be closed? Well, what I would do, again, I would either leave the switches open, permanently open, or I'd, I'd call Pinball Resource and get new switches and, and install well, them. But what happened was he, he called him and he said, you don't need those, and he wouldn't sell them to him. <laughs> Yeah, he, in, a, in a way he's right, in a way he's wrong. I mean, you don't you need a full pulse yeah. for those things. I mean, really to get a full score and to allow enough time for the reel to really fully advance. Because other times, what will happen is, is the reel will only only be powered to that score reel for as long as the ball is touching the playfield switch. So if you get just a light hit on a, on a playfield switch, it may not give a full pulse to the score reel, and then it doesn't click it forward a number, which means you get a lower score. So yeah, well, What happened was, like, like I said, somebody had put their, like, their own version of the blade into stroke switch, and they're actually backwards. Yeah, I would, I would fix that. <laughs> they're, they're open. They've got the right. switch is open, and when the score reel goes to score, it's closing them. Well, that's yeah, that's reverse of what you want. Uh, but when they when they're both open, and you hit something, that score reel locks on. Well, maybe there was some other modification. It's really hard for me to say without seeing it. Yeah, it, it's tough. Like you can play if you take the one wire off the end of stroke switch, it'll play even though the switch is wrong. Right. But as soon as you put that. Yeah, I would just then on, at that point. Locks. Yeah, at that point, I would also check the schematics, but. Well, Okay, well, thanks a lot, and good uh, congratulations on the show. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I lost. I thought I had another caller there. I guess I lost him. Um, I actually had a couple people calling in, and, you know, so if you, if you want to call in, we'll take one more caller, and then we're going to call it quits for the night. If anybody else has any uh, any comments or questions or tech questions or playability questions or you know whatever they want to ask about you know uh, classic 60s or even 70s or any, any era of EMs heck we'll even talk about Woodruff did you put a, a picture of the uh, uh, right there on the the minstrel man playfield on the on the wall I got a bunch of playfields hanging in the wall so you know I, I told the shell Bergian to uh, to give us a picture of the minstrel man okay here we go let's try this Hello, how are you? Hey. So, what's your name? This is 
Doug from Ann Arbor. Doug, how you doing? Not too bad. Okay, Doug, what can I help you with tonight? Well, I was uh, wondering if I could uh, ask Shaggy a question. Sure, go right ahead. Okay, well, um, I'm uh, right in the middle of uh, working on my uh, William Screamo from 1954. Okay. And uh, what I've done is I've uh, basically retouched up all the, uh, the play fields. And I'm um, actually uh, almost all the way through my clear coat, coat operation. And I've used Verithane. Okay. Okay. And, um, you know, it's, it's actually I'm very happy. But here's my question. You know, I, I've taken out all the inserts out of the plate, you know, you know, while I was touching it up. And I got them all leveled and everything like that. But so you removed all the inserts because on wood rails you typically have to level them to the playing surface because the plastic shrinks with time. Yep. Yep. And uh, I actually got them all uh, re-leveled. I pounded them out from the backside. And uh, actually, I saw you do it at one of the club meetings. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I got them all leveled, and I got I used a little goop uh, adhesive to glue them back in. But there's there's a, a gap all the way around the perimeter. Right. Okay? And um, I was just wondering because I heard earlier on the show that you had uh, you used the automotive clear and you talked about the Verithane. How do you fill in that gap? Because well, there's there's two the there's two schools of thought. Me? There's two schools of thought to that. There's um, a, a more quick and easy version that's a little less uh, permanent, and then there's the permanent version. The permanent version is to go and get some gel-based super glue. Uh -huh. You know the the you know the stuff that's really thick, right. and basically you you kind of got to build it up. You know you 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 glue the insert with the super glue in, get it leveled. Um, let it dry, which it dries actually pretty quick, and then you can kind of fill that gap in by kind of applying it around the edge of the insert and then wiping it off with a paper towel and it leaves the material in the insert. That's okay. the kind of tough way to do it. Uh, and also you'd have to do this before you clear coat it, obviously. Right. You couldn't do this after the fact. The other way, which is far less intrusive, is to get some um, what's known as butcher's tape, which is kind of a brown uh, it's a little thicker than masking tape and wrap it around the insert and then trim it with a razor blade because it'll be you know it'll extend down wider than the than the insert and then use just carpenter's glue and glue it in place um, a lot of guys do that the tape fills the gap the brown tape fills the gap um, a lot of guys do that especially if they're not clear coating because it's not nearly as intrusive you know the super glue you gotta gotta be careful with you can make a mess if you're not careful uh, once in, in the insert's got to be perfect. This way, if you ever need to get the insert back out, you can still get it back out because you're just basically gluing it in with carpenter's glue. Right. Um, and that's what you know. I've used both ways, and I just which one I use just kind of depends on my right. Well, you know how I'm feeling. When, when I did it, it's like you know I kind of sort of you know didn't want to. I was afraid of the super glue because of touch ups and you know messing up. Right. It can be it can be tricky. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, and I, I seem to have good success, but I use something called, uh, something like a modeling clay, it's like a plastic uh, clay, right. synthetic, and I wipe it into the groove, and then, uh, you know, and the stuff is, I've had this stuff for like years, and it just doesn't dry out, and it's really relatively soft, and then I wound up just touching up with uh, some black, and, um, you know, it seemed like it worked, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, you know, at, at the test of time. 
But well, I'm cool. Let, let us know how you did. You know how it worked out. Yeah, it's, um, you know, like I said, I'm looking at the play field right now, and it's, uh, I use the Barathane, and uh, only because, uh, you know, it's, it's indoors right now, and that's the only thing I can do, and I was really scared of using the clear coat to begin with. Right. But it sounds like you're a real fan of using the automotive clears. Well, it takes a certain level of experience to do it. I mean, you know, the Barathane comes in a spray can, and the automotive clear is a two-part you got to mix it, you got to use it, you got to spray it with professional equipment. You kind of, and if you screw it up, you screw it up big. Right. Uh, very thing you can always get off, and uh, you know you can do it again um, if you if it's really all screwed up. So, all right. all right, well let us know how that worked out. I'll do that. And oh, by the way, I just really just enjoyed the hell out of your show. The uh, you know lo looking at all those games on the on the webcast. Well, it's cool. Really nice, refreshing, and actually seeing the game. Uh, on the TV, on the, the computer screen while you were talking about them, so Great. Really great show. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. All right, man. Take yeah. care. Bye. Bye. Okay, well, that's uh, that's it for tonight. Um, we want to thank everybody that helped the show. I want to thank uh, Mr. Shelberg for running the camera. Couldn't have done it without him. It would have been tough. And I want to thank Norm for calling in. Even though he couldn't have been here tonight, he uh, he called in remotely, and we really appreciate that. This is Shaggy at Topcast saying goodnight, and this is uh, this is James from uh, the Pin Game Journal saying goodnight. And you guys all take care, and we'll see you later. <laughs>